0: so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord be with you. you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated.
1: The Old Testament reading for this Sunday is from the tw- 30th chapter of Deuteronomy. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed." You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. The epistle is from the third chapter of 1 Corinthians. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready, you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted to, to the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters it anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field. God's building. This is the word of the God Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: We stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oath you have, you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated as we sing our hymn together. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The last number of weeks, as you probably have recognized, our gospel readings have all been taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which begins at uh, Matthew chapter 5, at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. And today we're going to look once again at just a part of that special sermon. This time we're going to focus just on two verses, verses 29 and 30 of chapter 5 of Matthew they are words that, that you will no doubt recognize as very bold words of Jesus. Truthfully, startling words from Jesus. Words of Jesus that perhaps even make us feel a little uneasy. Matthew five twenty nine and 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. In the name of Jesus, Christian friends, in 1893, a black man by the name of Dr. Daniel Hale Williams, affectionately known then at that time as Dr. Dan, performed the first successful open-heart surgery in America. A 24-year-old man named James Cornish was brought to the hospital with a knife wound in his chest, and his condition was, was very dire. As Cornish began to slip toward death, Williams decided that the only way that he could save the man was to do surgery on his heart. His colleagues were against it. They thought that Williams was making a mistake, but he went ahead and he did that surgery anyway. There was a tear in the pericardium more than an inch long that had to be repaired. And Williams managed to, managed to sew that ragged wound together and then close the opening that he had made. And 51 days later, James Cornish walked out of that hospital. He lived 20 more years after that. Heart surgery, I'm told at least, has come a long way since 1893 and Dr. Dan. Many surgeries where in the past a chest had to be opened up for the surgery now is done in a minimally invasive way. That's a good thing. But whether it's open heart surgery or if it's minimally invasive heart cath operation or any surgery really for that matter, it's a pretty serious thing. I mean, you you don't just have an operation so you can have some kind of conversation starter. Hey, look at my scar. (laughs) You don't do that. That's not why you have surgery. Because it's not fun to have a surgery. It's not a picnic to have an operation. I sat with a lot of people, maybe, maybe some of you, in fact, before an operation took place. As preparations are being made for that surgery or afterwards as you're recovering from surgery. And it really doesn't matter if it's an operation on your heart or if it's an operation on your leg or on your eye. An operation, it's pretty serious stuff. And whatever you're having surgery on, there's usually one of two reasons to have that operation. The first reason is, is to improve your health. So if, you're, if your body's not working the way it ought to be working, if something isn't quite right and it can't be fixed with medicine or if it can't be fixed with therapy, the doctor some t- sometimes says, you need a surgery. A bone is rubbing on bone, causing terrible, terrible pain. You need an operation to, to fix or to replace that hip or that knee. Or there's a film over your eye and it's not going away. You need an operation, a little procedure to remove that cataract. Or the heart's not beating correctly. You're, you're, you're out of breath. You're lightheaded. You may need a procedure. You need, may need to have a, a pacemaker put in. But, but the other reason to have an operation is, is a little more serious. The other reason is to have an operation is to save your life. When arteries are clogged and the heart's not working, sometimes there's there's no other choice to save a life than to do a a bypass surgery. There's a a cancerous tumor that needs to be removed. If it's not removed, it will grow and it will spread and it will get worse and eventually it will take your life. Nobody wants to go through an operation like that. Well, you most certainly will. It will save your life. Operations are what Jesus is talking about here in this text for today. He's talking about surgery. He's not talking, though, about the kind of surgery done in a hospital. He's talking about the surgery for Christian living. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, have a surgery. Gou- gouge it out. If your hand causes you to sin, stumble in your faith. You need an operation. Cut it off. that's pretty harsh, isn't it? I mean, what does he mean? Does he mean if my eye is always looking at that which I shouldn't be looking at, looking at things that are unclean, that are filthy, that are dirty, should I go to the doctor and have my eye taken out? Is that what he means? Does he mean that if my if my tongue is always speaking that which is wrong, it's always criticizing, always gossiping, always profaning God's name, I should cut the tongue out of my mouth. Is that what he's saying? If Jesus is is Jesus saying that if my hand has this tendency to move over into somebody else's pocket and take the stuff that's in there for my own when it's not mine, I should cut my hand off. Is that what Jesus is saying? Well, because we know Jesus and we know the rest of what Scripture teaches, we know that's not what Jesus is saying. That's a relief, isn't it? Jesus knows that the remedy of removing a sinful thought or a sinful action is to not cut, out, cut off a hand or to gouge out an eye. Jesus knows that you have to get to the root of the problem. So, for instance, if something is wrong with our organ here at church, we don't try to fix that problem by just polishing the pipes up here. Is that going to help? It'll make them look nicer, but it's not going to help the problem. You have to get to the root of the problem, right? Trouble is not with the pipes and them needing to be polished. The trouble is with, perhaps, the blowers or or the circuit board or the console. Something is wrong with your car. I don't think you're going to get very far by just vacuuming them out the inside and have a car wash on the outside. That's not going to get to the root of the problem. That's not where the trouble is. The trouble is in the engine or the water pump or the brakes. And if your hand is constantly causing you to sin, it's not the fault of the hand. It's the fault of the heart that's behind the hand. And if the eye is always causing you to look at that which is dirty and unclean, causing you to sin, it's not the fault of the eye either. It's the fault of the heart that stands behind the eye. It's a heart that is warped and made crooked by sin. A little later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. He says, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. The small is the gate to narrow the road that leads to life. And because our hearts are warped and made crooked by sin, we travel that broad road and we enter that wide gate so very often And our sin leads us astray and we follow that, that path of least resistance. It's a whole lot easier to listen to gossip than it is to stop it. That's following the path of least resistance. It's sometimes so much easier to tell a lie than to tell the truth. So much easier to carry a grudge than it is to forgive. We are so very inclined to travel down that broad path that will eventually, Jesus says, lead us to destruction. And it's at this point where our, our text gets kind of painful because. Our Lord is demanding an operation, a difficult and a painful operation. Our Lord is asking that if anything is causing our heart, or anything, else, anything is in our hearts, anything in our minds, anything in our lives that is causing us to follow that path of least resistance, that's causing us to travel down that broad road that leads to destruction, that's causing us to go away from our Lord, then you've got to let it go. Got to get rid of it. And that's not easy. That's painful. It it, it always hurts to do away with a pet sin that we do over and over and over again. Hurts to give it up. Hurts to undergo this operation, the operation of the spiritual heart. Throughout this whole text and, and really throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount, our Lord Jesus is trying to communicate to us the awfulness of sin. And what he's saying is that sin is is a terrible disease. It's like cancer. It's like a cancer that that grows and spreads and won't let you go. And finally, it's fatal. I mean, you know what Scripture says. The wages of sin is death. Death. That's the awfulness of sin. That's why Jesus says, get rid of it. The beautiful thing, though, is our Lord doesn't just say that. He doesn't just say, hey, don't go down that path of least resistance. Don't go down that broad road. Get rid of your sin. Jesus does say that. But he doesn't only say that. Jesus presents a cure for sin. And that cure for sin is himself. Pure and simple. It's himself. Jesus came into the world to be Savior. You will call his name Jesus, the angel said, because he will save his people from their sin. Isaiah says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, we are healed. The cure for sin is still and always will be Jesus Christ. He's the one who forgives sins. He's the one who gives new life. And he's the one who gives us the power to live his way to love our God and to love one another. So today we Christians have surgery, a major operation. And it's not only an operation to, to improve our spiritual health, it's an operation to save our life. It's an operation to give us life. And God preps us, you know. You always prep for a surgery, God preps us for that operation. He says to us so very often, he says to you today, come to my table here. Take and eat and take and drink my body and my blood, my grace, my love, my strength, my hope, my joy, all of it for you. And and then he, he opens up his word to us. Words about our Savior, our Redeemer, our great physician. <laughs> Jesus is our doctor. He's our master physician. He puts us on the operating table and he opens up that heart of ours and, and he gets all of the sin and, and all of the guilt and all the evil thoughts and evil desires and the words and the deeds. And he covers all of that with his love. And he covers it with his grace. Grace. And he covers it with his forgiveness. And after he covers our sins, he implants in us his power, the power of his spirit to live a new life, to live a different way, to live his way. And we walk out of that operating room, a new creature, a new creature with Christ Jesus, St. Paul says it this way. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Christ makes us a new creation. A new creation with a new heart. A new creation who by the Spirit's power is ready for Christian living. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand with me as we confess together our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed as that's printed for you in your bulletin. Together we speak our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. You may be seated as we gather our offering to the Lord. We stand for prayer. Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty and everlasting God, in humility we give you heartfelt thanks for the many blessings both for our lives now and for our lives in eternity that you give to us, though we in no way deserve them. We praise you especially for the spiritual blessings of your word and sacraments. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We ask, Lord, that you preserve and extend your kingdom of grace. Help all who hear your word to receive it with joy and believe it. Since the harvest is plentiful, send forth workers into the field and open the door of faith to all who do not believe. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give your grace to all nations and peoples of the earth. Bless the land and the people among whom we live. Cause your glory to dwell among us and let mercy, truth, righteousness, and peace prevail everywhere. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be the God and Father of the widow and the fatherless, the helper of the sick and the needy, the comforter of the forsaken and distressed. Today, we especially bring before you those who are suffering through illness or who are recovering from recent sickness, including Ava Brown, Kay Gabbert, and Bessie Mosley, as she is hospitalized. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty Lord, be with all those hurting in Turkey and Syria from the recent earthquakes there. Keep in your care those whose lives continue to be in danger, the many families who have lost loved ones, and those who have suffered loss of home or property. Give your blessing to all the first responders who work so tirelessly. Comfort and sustain each hurting heart and strengthen all rescue workers. Open wide our hearts and our hands to help in this and every time of need. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear us, Heavenly Father, as we offer thanks on behalf of those who have experienced signs of your love, including Gary and Diane, Tim, and their family upon the baptism of their grandson, Walker Timothy Evans, this Sunday. Lord, bless and keep this your child. We also praise and thank you along with Anaya Cleveland and her family as they celebrate her 14th birthday. Continue to keep Anaya in your loving care and help all of us to remember, Lord, that every good gift is from you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lived among us as a human being and revealed his glory as your only Son, full of grace and truth. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and the hosts of heaven, We praise your holy name evermore praising you and singing. forever and ever, amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins, This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
2: your precepts. Oh.
0: we stand. Now may this eating and drinking keep and preserve you in the true faith until life everlasting. Go in the Lord's peace and in his joy. Amen. We pray. O God, the Father, the fountain and the source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. We ask you not to forsake your children but always to rule our hearts and our minds by your Holy Spirit that we may be enabled constantly to serve you through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. We remain standing as we sing our recessional hymn together on what has now been sown.